Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I have a question for you this morning. Is there an event in history that either you or your friends or your family or your co-workers do not believe actually happened? In other words, they or you believe an event that was reported live never actually happened. That it was all a big hoax. For example... I learned over the course of the last few years, there are some people who don't believe astronauts actually walked on the moon in the summer of 1969. They believe that the one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, was all one gigantic fraud. Now bear with me for a moment, because I'd like to expand on this just a little bit. Let's say in 1969 that there's a group of ten people who believed that this moonwalk is fraudulent. That it never happened. And then let's say that eight of those ten people married someone else and convinced them that the walk on the moon never happened. Then when they had children, they taught their children that the moonwalk was just a big hoax. And this cycle continued and continued until there was an entire community of people who all believed that the walk on the moon was nothing but one gigantic fraud. Now I want you to understand, I'm not aware of any such community that believes this. I did not do an internet search to see if this is factual or if an author has written a book, fictional or otherwise, about this subject. But I wanted to illustrate for you something similar that the Apostle Paul was dealing with at the church in Corinth. You see, earlier in his ministry, Paul established a church there by preaching and teaching them the Word of God, including... That Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was raised on the third day also according to the Scriptures. And appeared to many people, some of whom were still alive at that time. Now after planting this church there, Paul leaves and continues on his ministry and then receives word that there are some in that church in Corinth who have called into question the resurrection of the dead. Why would they do this? Why would some not believe in the resurrection of the dead when one of the fundamental teachings of the church is that Christ was raised from the dead? Because embedded deep in the Greek culture was the belief that once a person dies... They stay dead. They believe that no one rises from the dead and gets a new and improved life once they die. They had this firm belief that the dead stay dead. St. Paul wrote his first letter to that church in Corinth to rebuke and correct them in several different things that they were practicing, all of which were contrary to God's Word. 
And our epistle reading this morning confronts this particular issue of this belief in the resurrection of the dead. So here again, these words from chapter 15, verse 12. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? In other words, since Jesus died and rose from the dead three days later, why do some of you say the dead cannot be raised to life? It's as if Paul is saying, do you not understand how contradictory these two things are? And because of this belief in your culture, you are now creating doubt in the minds of others in the church. And Paul continues, beginning at verse 13, because if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Because you see, if the dead stay dead and Jesus died, then Jesus could not have been raised from the dead because the dead stay dead. And if Jesus is still dead, then Paul's preaching is for nothing and the faith of the people in Corinth is for nothing as well. Paul might as well have gone back to persecuting Christians if the dead stay dead. Because if it's true that the dead cannot be raised to life, then when Paul preached Christ died and rose from the dead, he must have been lying. Paul even wrote as much beginning at verse 15. We are found misrepresenting God. Because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. As if it couldn't get any worse. Paul lays out the next part of his argument, illustrating that if the dead aren't raised, Christ isn't raised, which means your faith is useless or worthless. And if all that were true, you and I are still on the hook for our sins. Why? Because the debt has not been paid. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then God must not have accepted His sacrifice. And if God did not accept His sacrifice, you are still on the hook for your sins, I'm still on the hook for my sins, and the only hope we have in Christ is in the life we currently live. There would be nothing for us once we die. It would be over. Now I imagine some of you are thinking to yourself, Yeah, well, that's their problem. Since they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, but I do. In fact, I confessed that just a little while ago in the Apostles' Creed this morning. That's great. That's wonderful. I'm glad that you do because that is the truth. But I do have a question for you. Do you believe everything else the Bible says as historical truth. 
Do you believe God created the world and everything in it as is written in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 in six 24-hour days? Do you believe the ten plagues actually happened and that Pharaoh finally let the Israelites go only to change his mind and pursue them? But God parted the waters so that the Israelites could escape by walking on dry ground. No, it wasn't a walk on the moon or a walk in the park, but God made it safe for the Israelites to make it safely to the other side. And God let the waters crash down then on the Egyptians, and they drowned. Do you believe these true and amazing stories as described in the book of Exodus? I hope so. Well, how about some that are not quite as well known? Do you believe that Jesus told Simon Peter to catch a fish? Just one fish. And take a coin out of the mouth of that fish and use it to pay a temple tax for the both of them. Do you believe that? It's actually found in Matthew chapter 17 beginning at verse 24. Or what about this one? The story of Balaam and his donkey. Did you know that in this story, in Numbers chapter 22, beginning at verse 22, that the Lord opened the donkey's mouth so that she could talk sense into Balaam, so that the angel of the Lord would not kill Balaam with the sword? Do you believe them all? Do you believe everything else as recorded in the Bible as historical truth? Because if not, then you don't believe God's Word in its entirety. You don't believe that Scripture is infallible, meaning it is without error. And that becomes a real problem because we don't get to pick and choose which parts of God's Word to trust. We either trust and believe it is all true, or our unbelief will be used against us eventually not to trust in God's promises. And that may then eventually lead us to doubt in the resurrection of the dead. And if that's the case, then we are in the same boat as those of the church in Corinth. And Paul's words in verse 19 are for us as well. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, We are of all people most to be pitied. Fortunately, we have a God who doesn't rely on us. Because God's Word is true despite what some people believe. And this morning in God's Word, we read in verse 20 of our epistle reading, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Which means Christ Jesus did live a perfect life for you and for me, never doubting any of God's word or promises. He did suffer and die on the cross. He did make this seemingly unbelievable sacrifice for us and paid the debt owed to God by the people at the church in Corinth, by you and by me. He paid the price for the sins of the whole world, including our doubts in full. Jesus himself declared it as accomplished when he cried out on the cross, It is finished. 
And he finished it for you. He completed his Father's plan to bring salvation to you and for you. And as we confessed a little while ago, he descended into hell. He descended into hell not to endure more punishment for us. No. He descended into hell to declare the victory won over sin, death, and the power of the devil. And then, then he did the unbelievable, especially for the people at Corinth. He rose from the dead. As for the first fruits of those who had fallen asleep, Jesus appeared to his disciples. He appeared to the two walking on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to his brother James. And he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. So you see, there are many eyewitnesses who saw the unbelievable. That Jesus Christ had died is now alive. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, which you received in your baptism, you believe the unbelievable too. You believe that our Lord and Savior Jesus accomplished these things and so much more for you. You believe that He ascended into heaven, that He has gone to prepare a place for you, a community full of people who believe the unbelievable about Jesus. A community in heaven that is beyond your wildest imagination of paradise. What a magnificent sight, that community of heaven where you can walk in the presence of Jesus and where believing the unbelievable is far better than any walk on the moon. Then, on that final and great day, Jesus will come again and resurrect all the dead. And those who believe Jesus is their Lord and Savior will live in His presence in the new heaven and the new earth forevermore. A perfect community Believing and living the unbelievable. To God alone be all the glory. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.